0: Well, good morning, Biltmore Church. Uh, Good morning, Pastor Bruce. Hope you're feeling great, Uh, well, at least as well as possible. For everyone who is catching this online right now, good morning as well. Uh, My name is Dan Lee Ann. I was born and raised in Melbourne, Australia. I say it all the time because people ask where the accent is from. So that's the reason my voice is this way. My mother and father, Malaysian Chinese, that's the reason my beautiful face is this way. Uh, But now I live in Anderson, South Carolina, about two hours down the road uh, from here in Arden, and it's a real honor and privilege to be able to serve you all this weekend. I'm here basically because I am Pastor Bruce's body double. Um, I know you're looking at me and you're kind of going, uh, man, they are just a splitting image of one another, and I absolutely get it. I absolutely get it. I get it all the time. You look like a Jack Texan dude, Dan. I said, I don't know. I, I, I look like that, um, but Chinese Australian. And um, I really believe that in God there is no such thing as an oops. I don't believe God makes a, a misstep. Um, God bless you. Um, and I believe that God ordained from the beginning of time for you to be here and for me to be here, for you to be watching online and for you to receive this teaching. Can someone just believe with me that this morning, come on, is unfolding by the sovereign will of God? Uh, Pastor Bruce called me on Friday afternoon. I was teeing off on the 16th, and uh, when when Pastor Bruce calls, you pick up the phone because, just full disclosure, I'm intimidated by the man. (laughs) He's got a beautiful head of hair. He's got these broad shoulders. He's got this like Texas rasp. And um, so I thought I'd pick up the phone and, and, um, and he told me that, hey, he's just waiting for the test results back, but he thinks that he may have COVID, he's been vaccinated, so God willing, it'll be very mild symptoms, but to be responsible, he, uh, he, he thought he was going to be missing this Sunday, so he asked me if I could fill in. Now, the reality is I've been on the road for 12 weeks straight, uh, and I'm in a bit of a preaching rhythm at the moment. Um, As any good traveling speaker, I've got one good talk. And um, so I thought to myself really easily, I'll be able to drive a couple of hours up the road with my one good talk. He said, the only catch is there's a scripture you have to deal with. Because we're doing this series called The Year of the Bible. Now, because again, I'm intimidated by Pastor Bruce, both spiritually and physically, I said, okay, yeah, sure, we can do this. And so um, he said, okay, I'll call you back in a couple of hours' time. And I start uh, down the 16th fairway. And I'm thinking to myself, um, I don't want to be writing a new sermon. Come on, on Saturday. Um, I have this one really good talk that I know is going to land, everyone's going to laugh, everyone's going to be happy, Twitter Twitter, and Instagram is all going to buzz afterwards. So I, so I texted him, basically by the end of the 16th hole. Pastor Bruce, I know I kind of semi-agreed to teach on this text... You know, in the midst of this series, the year of the Bible, but I'm, I'm telling you, I've got this one talk that's amazing, it's going to land, it's going to be joy-filled, it's going to be funny, people are going to give more money, I'm telling you now, you'll you want this talk, and Pastor Bruce says, no. <laughs> we are teaching this year of the Bible, the whole service has been built around this text, um, I'd appreciate it if you could stick to this portion of scripture about the crucifixion of jesus and i just wanted to say this this is off script what a great shepherd you have what a great pastor come on that you guys have who is so serious about the word of god that even when everything is thrown into a mess on a friday afternoon his one thought is that his sheep are going to get fed no no that god's sheep are going to get fed And because of that, I spent uh, most of yesterday just diving afresh and anew into this text about the crucifixion of Jesus. I read the four different accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I'm here to confess to you I was moved like I haven't been moved in a long time. And I'm ashamed of that. I know that we talk about the cross every single Good Friday. I know that every single Easter time, as it rolls around, this, this episode is going to be explored. But it was so cool, outside of the Easter season, outside of this Good Friday message that I preach every single year, to delve into the depths and the pain of the crucifixion. To explore the beauty and the brutality. To immerse myself in the terror and also the treasure that is on offer here in this story. So what I want to do is I want to invite you to do what I did yesterday and jump into this story, this well-known story that everyone, whether or not you were brought up in church or not, you've heard reference to at some point, but I want you to jump into this story, but I would beg you to put yourself in the scene of this story. Put yourself as one of the observers of Jesus enduring what he endured and let him, by his Holy Spirit, talk to you afresh and anew about what happened on the hill that day. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 15? Come on, everyone say Mark. Come on, say Mark like an Australian. Mark. Come on, Mark like an American. Mark. Come on, Mark in Chinese. Awesome. I do it all the time. It always gets a giggle. Mark chapter 15, verse 25. I'm going to read 14 verses. The story of the crucifixion as we continue on in this journey in the year of the Bible. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days? Come down now from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the king of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also hurled insults at him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those Standing near, heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. If you're taking down notes this morning in one of our campuses or online, I want you to write at the top of the page what happened on that hill. What happened on that hill? six thousand miles away two thousand years ago this occurred and it still resonates and changes souls for eternity to this moment what happened on that hill let me pray and we'll jump into this week of the year of the bible Dear Jesus, we love you. Father God, we exalt you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Arrest this this moment. Grab our attention and don't let go. Teach what you want to teach. Do what you want to do. Change what you need to change. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. What happened on that hill? 6,000 miles away... 2,000 years ago, as Jesus hung on a cross, what was happening on that hill? The, the center point of our religion, the, the basis of our relationship with, with God, this story well-canvassed and explored throughout history, but what was happening on that hill? hill. So many things were unfolding on that hill, but yesterday, as I was reflecting on this crucifixion story, three things stuck out to me like I've never seen it before. Three things were happening on that hill. A love was being displayed, a price was being paid, and a way was being made. Would you write that down? If you have your leather bound journals and your pens, you can pull them out. My old mentor used to tell me that a blunt pencil is more effective than a sharp mind in remembering the things that God whispers to you about. I'm not saying you need to take notes in church to get into heaven. I'm just saying, why take a chance? You know what I'm saying? iPhones, iPads, pull them out, find that note app. Thank the Lord Jesus for Steve Jobs because that's a wonderful piece of technology you have there. If you have a Google device, you can put it away. I've got nothing for you from this point on in the message. What was happening on that hill that day? 6,000 miles away, 2,000 years ago, what was happening on that hill? First and foremost, a love was being displayed. This was more than just a Roman execution. This was more than just an episode in Jesus' life story that you heard about in Sunday school. No, first and foremost, a love was on display. That's the reason Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 tells us, but God would demonstrate his love for us in this. He would prove to us his love, he would measure out his love, he would show his love to us in this, that whilst we're still sinners, running in the other direction, rebellious in spirit, angry in heart, even though we didn't deserve it, he still allowed his son Jesus to die for us, but God would demonstrate his love. What was happening on that hill that day, love was on display, and it's not a little love. It's not like a kind of love. It's not a conditional love. It's not a smudge of love or a smear of love. It was a massive love. Come on, smile, that's good news. A lot of people think that yeah, God is loving, but it's a kind of a passing love. Like I love y'all. You know, love y'all. like It's not like a, a general, generic, kind of itty-bitty love. No, it was a massive, God-sized love. That's the reason the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world. Come on, turn to your neighbor and let him know you are so loved. Come on, this is so important to get into your spirit because we live in a day and an age where it's easy to feel overlooked and forgotten. It's easy as individuals to look in the mirror and feel unlovable and unwanted. But God, once and for all, drew a line in the sand and displayed to you how loved you are. Now you might say to me, how can I, how can, how can I tell that I am so loved? You say that there's a God-sized love? What does that mean? Can you even measure love? Yes, you can measure love. You can basically measure love by the pain you'll endure for that love. Love is measurable. It is measured by pain endured. I love Pastor Bruce. I love Biltmore Church. I love Asheville. I love the food in Asheville. I love the vibe in Asheville. And that's the reason on Friday when Pastor Bruce called, I said, you know what, I can do this because I can endure a two-hour drive up a hill to come and hang out with my family here at Biltmore. Now, if Pastor Bruce was still in Texas, and he'd be calling me on the 16th, and he said, hey, you know what, Dan, can you drive 20 hours to go preach for me in Texas? Now, that's a different story, you know what I'm saying? I love Pastor Bruce for about a two-hour drive. A 20-hour drive, I'm going to send you a videotape. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Love can be measured by how much pain you'll endure. I have some restaurants that I love here in Asheville. I'll drive up. There's a little Spanish place called Curate downtown. Love it. I'll drive two hours to go experience curate. If it was a 40-hour drive, you know what? Let's see if DoorDash is going to basically you know, do the work. Love can be measured. And that day, on that hill, God's love for you was once and for all being measured out. That's the reason the book of Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that Jesus would endure the cross, scorning its shame. Why? Because he was measuring out his love for you. You were the joy that was set before him. So never forget the pain that was endured. Don't allow a couple of clips that flash across your church screen every Good Friday to diminish the reality of the depth of pain that Jesus endured for you. lay down on a cross, spikes were driven through his ankles, pinning him to a block of wood. His hands, his wrists, two pierced with nine-inch nails. Every single fiber in his body would have shrieked with pain as every single nerve informed him that he was about to walk through hell. Crucifixion was an especially painful death penalty. It was formulated by the Romans who were trying to work out a way to enforce a punishment that was especially cruel and painful but it would last. It was so vicious and so horrific, a Roman citizen wasn't even allowed to go through this. This was reserved for the most broken of the broken. The way you died from crucifixion was either from the elements or, or blood loss, but usually it was asphyxiation. You would usually suffocate as you couldn't hold your weight up anymore. And your lungs would collapse, and you would die a a slow, excruciating death. Even think about this. The only way you got to breathe while you hung on a cross was by pushing up against the nails that were driven through your ankles. So think about that. The pain you would have felt as you pushed yourself up just so you could breathe. Breathe and feel the pain find relief, and breathe your last. That was the choice you had as you hung on a cross. And that's what our Jesus did for you. The pain, the suffering, the excruciating feeling of having your entire body scream in horror, he endured that. Why? His love was being measured out for you. Smile. This is very good news. Because I find it hard sometimes to believe that I'm that lovable because I failed so much. But his love was measured out for you. Come on, smile. This is really good news. Because I often go through life feeling so worthless and unlovable because of the lines that I've crossed, the things that I've done, the scars on my soul, the stains on my hands, my memory that is now marred, but there is no sin so great, there is no distance so crazy that it can't be dealt with, come on, by the measure of love measured out for you. Can someone say a good amen to that? If you're going to clap, you may as well clap properly. Come on, Biltmore Church. (laughs) What was happening on the hill that day? First and foremost, love was on display. The second thing that was happening on the hill that day is that a price was being paid. The Bible tells in the book of Romans chapter 6, for the wages of sin... Is death. Or in other words, the fallout from our fall is an eternal separation from God. For as loving as God is, he is also just. And he will not enforce on us love that we reject. That would not be love at all, that would be merely conquest and conquer. So even though God loves us with a God-sized love, even though God's love was measured out by what Jesus endured, we have to recognize there is also at play a justice that a just God cannot revoke. And the wages for our sin, the wages for our rebellion. The wages for our falling into temptation, the wages for our greed, the wages for our murder by words, our wages for the gossip that kills, our wages for the lust that we bow to is eternal separation from God, and here's the bad news. None of us in our goodness, none of us in our righteousness, none of us in our personal holiness can cancel out this debt. Have you ever had a credit card rejected? It's embarrassing. 40 years of life I went through, and my wife and I, had, we'd been married for like 20 years, and I'm telling you now, we've always been so responsible when it came to our credit card, you know, every single month, we would pay it down. We, we took a lot of pride in our good credit. But four years ago, we moved to America, and, and America doesn't recognize Australian credit. You need American credit. So I, we start the, the journey. And the credit card limits we had in Australia weren't on offer to us in America, so we took what we could, uh, what, 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 what we, we, we could be given, and, and so we're here we're, we're trying to live life and trying to build our credit. And, and when we first moved here, we had a lot of bigger purchases because we were setting up a home, and I remember... We're hanging out at this little Japanese restaurant in downtown Greenville, and we're just, you know, we've been in the America for a couple of months, and, and we had this beautiful meal. And and, and and at the end of the meal, the check was brought. I give him the credit card, and and then about two minutes later, the nice server comes back and says, I'm so sorry, this credit card was denied. My heart sinks. And I'm going, hey, babe, did you bring any cash with you? He says, We don't we don't have any cash. So, so I, I start, like, trying to explain to the server, I'm so sorry, I, 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 um, I, maybe if we can, like, transfer, and Chris is like going, we don't have any cash to transfer. Something to myself, C- can I wash some dishes? Can I give you the younger child? I'm not that attached to him yet. Like, <laughs> it was so embarrassing, but I had to call a friend of mine, who serves with me at church to drive from Anderson to come to Greenville to pay the debt. My friends here at Biltmore on a Sunday morning, don't forget you racked up a debt. Your sin. Your mistakes. Your rebellion. Your pride. Racked up a debt that bought you death in, in our goodness we couldn't cancel that debt so what did Jesus have to do not come from Anderson to Greenville come on he came from heaven to that hill to pay your debt do not be mistaken on that hill that day Jesus did not hang on his cross. Jesus hung on yours. Because if you look closely at that cross, even though there was a plaque that said, King of the Jews, Jesus had no place to be on that cross. For he had committed no sin. He had never stepped over a line. If you look closely at that cross, it's my name that's on it. It's my sin. It's my rebellion. It's Dan's pride. It's Dan's lust. It's Dan's anger. It's Dan's rage. It's Dan's gossip. It's Dan's malice. It's Dan's mistakes that got Jesus hanging on that cross. So what happened on the hill that day? A love was being displayed. And a price that I couldn't pay, come on, was being paid. Smile. Because of what happened on the hill that day, there isn't a person in this room who has crossed the line that is bigger than the price that Jesus paid. Come on. There isn't a person watching online right now who carries around that weight of shame who can't leave this gathering feeling a lightness in spirit because a price was being paid. What happened on the hill that day? A love was on display. A price was being paid. And thirdly and lastly, you can write this one down. A way was being made. Do you notice how those three rhyme? Because I was a rapper back in the day, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And if I had a little bit more time to prepare this message, the whole thing would have come out in a rap. And I'm telling you, a way was being made. I love how as you read this story, at the end, Jesus is... Enduring, excruciating pain, in doing so, measuring out how much love he has for you. As he hung on that cross, not his cross, my cross and your cross, a price was being paid. Darkness would fall upon the earth from noon to three, so light can shine in our journey from now into eternity. And at three, he eventually, with a loud cry, he would breathe his last so that we could breathe our first. The temple of the curtain was torn from top to bottom. What was happening on the hill that day? A way was being made. Now, for those who haven't been around church for very long, that whole idea of a temple curtain being torn from top to bottom might go over your head. What is that about? Well, basically put, up until that point, for nearly two millennia, the only way God could interact with humanity was through one person, one man from one nation, from one line of family. And this priest, once a year, could approach God. Now God lived in a temple, and in that temple, there was a holy place. And in that holy place, there was the holy of holies where God himself dwelt and interacted with humanity. Over an ark of the covenant, once a year, this high priest, one man from one nation, from one family line, could approach. And he would have to do it with fear and trepidation. He would have bells around a robe because if there was anything impure about him, he would drop dead on the spot. There'd be people listening out for those bells, and if they stopped shaking, it meant that the high priest died. Around his ankle was tied a rope because no one dared go into the Holy of Holies. So if that great high priest died, he would be dragged out by that rope separating God and his presence and that priest was a curtain because even in his perfection through his religious ceremony, he couldn't face God. So there was a curtain between that priest and God's presence. But when Jesus died on the hill that day, that temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. God made a way not just for one man, from one nation, from one family line, but for all people, for young, for old, for man, for woman, for black, for white, for yellow, for warm honey brown like you, ma'am. He made a way for the sinner, for the saint, for the religious, for the rebel, for the person who feels like they have done too much they They can't warrant the love of God for those who sit pompous and high thinking that they've done enough for God. God made a way. Come and smile, that's good news. Because how many know we need God, amen, to make a way? He needed to make a way for me. He needed to make a way for you. What happened on the hill that day A love was being displayed. A price was being paid. And a way was being made. My God is a way maker. And this is especially good news for us. Amen on a Sunday morning. Because there are some people here who feel like they're a million miles away from him. I'm here to let you know, God has made a way. There are some people in this room right now who have heard about Jesus. Maybe even talked about Jesus. You might have been brought up in a Sunday school, but you still feel disconnected from him. He's the one who makes Away. religion would tell us it's what we do it's the religious practices that we enact it's the boxes that we check it's the wrongs that we right no the gospel declares on that hill come on God made a way come on smile that's good news because how many of you feel like me right now that we're kind of stuck? <laughs> I look at the world that we live in and I don't know where to from here. I know there are some people who go, you know what I, I'm stuck in this in this in this situation in life it might be a work situation and I don't know the way forward here and it's so difficult, I don't know if I should hold on, if I should quit, but nothing, that's not really... A, God will make a way. Come on, he's a way maker, amen? Come on. I think well, this is an encouraging word for someone here who is, who is struggling in their marriage right now and you're looking at your spouse and you and you want God to reignite a flame between the two of you, but you don't know if you'll make it. I'm here to declare in the name of Jesus, you're going to make it and you're going to thrive in marriage. Why? Because God makes a way. Come on. I know that a lot of us are kind of a little freaked out about this COVID thing and, and kind of, you know, Delta and all that kind of gear. And, 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 and there's a lot of fear that's rising up again. And we're doing the whole kind of, oh, no, not again. Where to from here? I tell you, tell you where to from here. It is going to be God's glory that will be seen. There's going to be a miraculous, a miraculous movement. Come on, of his Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you now why? Because our God will make a way All week long I've been journeying with people in our church who are freaking out about things that are happening around the world in in the Middle East and in Asia and and, and what's happening with the military and, 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 and hey Dan, I'm so scared, I don't know what to, hey, God will make a way. I can't draw for you the map forward. I just know how this story ends. That our God, come on, is in the business of making a way. Can you say a good amen to that? So if you feel stuck, if you feel discouraged, if you don't know where to from here, smile. I've got some really good news for you. On that hill, God showed that he can make a way. So as we wrap up our time together, I simply want to do two simple things. First and foremost, I would love to give an opportunity to someone who doesn't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus to say thank you for the price he paid and for you to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior as he's the one who made a way. There are some people who were going, you know what, Dan, I've been around church a long time and I've sung the songs and I've heard the talks. I even know a couple of the memory verses. I think I'm covered. Has God made residence as your Lord and Savior in your heart? Because I'm here to let you know that if you think it's your goodness that makes a way, you're mistaken. He alone is the one who makes a way. So what I want to do first and foremost is I want to give someone an opportunity to say, you know what? I don't trust in myself. I don't trust in my own goodness. I want to trust in the price you paid and the way you made to give me, come on, eternal life, life to the full beginning today. So with every eye closed and every heart open, if that's you here this morning, You might be watching online, but you're saying, right now, I don't think Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I want to secure that deep in my spirit. I want to lead you in a simple prayer that heaven will hear, and it will change everything. Maybe there's someone here right now who's going, you know what, over the last 26 minutes, it feels like God has been speaking to me. My mind has been racing, my heart has been rushing. Is that what it feels like to have heaven talk to me? My friend, the answer is yes, yes, a million times yes. That's what it feels like. And he's standing at your heart's door and he's knocking and he's saying if you would open up, he would enter in. He is making a way into your life. Would you let him in? So with every eye closed and every heart open, here in this room or watching online, if you know right now that Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, would you just lift your hand when I count to three? When I count to three, just lift your hand where you are. I want to lead you in a prayer that heaven will hear and will change everything. If you're saying, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, He's made a way to me. I open up my heart to him right now. When I count to three, lift your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hand where you are. I see your hand over here. I see your hand over there. I see your hand over here. Is there anyone else? I see your hand over there in the back left. Is there anyone else? There are hands. I see your hand over there as well in the back. I see your hand there to my right as well. That's so cool. Wow. Wow. Hey, let's pray this prayer out loud all together, More Church. Come on, let's do it out loud, especially if you lifted your hand. And you can do this out loud as you're watching online. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you for making a way. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for the people who lifted theirs? Wow. Hey, at the end of this gathering, we're going to have a time of communion. We're going to do the Lord's Supper together. And we're going to just put an exclamation mark on what we've explored over the last 30 minutes. But after we do communion, especially here in this room, I'm going to be hanging out in the corner. I had COVID back in December. I'm full of antibodies. I've been double jabbed. I am as a lock as you're going to find. And if you lifted your hand... I would love to give you a fist bump, a high five, or an appropriate side hug. I would love to talk to you about where to from here. Can we do that? In my last minute with you, can we do this? With every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around in a judgmental manner. (laughs) I like to mix up my response times. But in all seriousness, it's been so cool to reflect again. Come on, on what happened on the hill that day a love on display, a price being paid, but a way was made. And if you right now know, come on, you need God to make a way for you. The Bible tells us that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And there's nothing as humbling, come on, as lifting our hands with eyes open. So if you're saying, I need God to make a way right now, it might be a finance thing, it might be a relationship thing, it might be a health thing, it might be just a fear thing, anxiety thing. Come on, every eye open, every head raised. If you're saying, hey, you know what, I need God to make a way. Jesus, you see these hands raised. So keep your promise. Add grace to their situation. And I thank you, God, on that hill, you proved once and for all how loved we are, what you would do, to win us back, and the fact that you, my God, are in the business of making a way. So make a way for my friends. You know where they are. You know how they feel. So do what only you can do, beautiful way maker. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, how many people are glad for what happened? Come on, on the hill that day.